0: Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, we are broadcasting from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta. And folks, if you need a better experience for uh A better banking experience for your business, check out Renaissance. I think what you'll find is they are big enough to handle pretty much any need you can throw at them, but small enough to do it in a personal way. And that's really kind of a magic combination with banks, right? Um, Go to RenaissanceBank.com, find their local office and uh, check in with them. Uh, I think you'll be glad you did. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to Re welcome. Welcome back, I guess, an old friend, Samaya Khalifa. Samaya is with Khalifa Consulting. Samaya, welcome.
1: John, wonderful to be with you. How are you?
0: I'm great. I'm great. We were just talking as we came in this morning. uh, It's been since before the pandemic that we were together um, in person. So this is just a special delight.
1: Oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to see you in person and be here. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for being here. So, for those that don't know you and don't know Khalifa Consulting, how are you helping folks out there?
1: Well, Khalifa Consulting has been in business for almost 12 years. And we started out being there for leaders and for organizations to help them bridge gaps of understanding in the DEI world, in the intercultural world. And now we have a specific focus on religion in the workplace and how to leverage that to drive results and add to the bottom line.
0: Terrific. And you've got uh, an extensive corporate background that you bring to your consulting work.
1: Absolutely. Um, many years in the corporate America world, in, in nonprofit management and government training, um, you name it. And I bring my whole self and my team brings their whole self to our clients.
0: That's terrific. You mentioned, uh, I guess, the the bringing religion into the discussion, into the, the dynamic of diversity, equity, and inclusion. That might not be the word folks are expecting to hear when they hear about DEI, right?
1: Right. Talk
0: about why bringing religion is so important to DEI.
1: That's a great question, John. Thank you. First off, uh, in the DEI world, we tell people bring your whole self to work, right? Uh, So diversity is given. Our country is becoming more and more diverse by the minute. We look so different than what we looked like 20, 30 years ago. Inclusion is an act. It's an act to bring people to the table. And equity of course is to treat people like they need to be treated. And so that it's like diversity is like being invited to to a dance. Um the inclusion piece is like dancing in the dance party and um and then being able to request songs that a person wants to dance to. Now a new word in the DEI world is belonging. Mm. It's belonging. How do I, as an employer, make all my employees feel like they really matter, they're validated, and we care about them? There is a quote that was um, by an executive that was uh, uh, in The Guardian, and it says, I get paid well to do something I enjoy, and I'm surrounded by clever, funny, like-minded people, and for 45 or 50 hours a week, I feel like I'm isolated. Oh, wow. Just think about that. If Mm -hmm. we have employees who feel that way, and a lot of us do feel that way, Mm -hmm. are we really capturing all their 100% or even more? Probably not. They're probably giving less than 100%. And that impacts the bottom line. So when we tell people, bring your whole self, and we tell them, oh, by the way, leave your religion at the door, that does not bring their whole professional self to our organizations. And there's been a lot of studies uh, on belonging, and organizations uh, that have leveraged belonging add to their bottom line. Um, organizations that are high belonging are li- linked to 56% increase in job performance. Just think about that. 56%, mm. 50% drop in turnover and 75% reduction in sick days. And so if you take 000, a, a thousand dollar a thousand-person company, this would result to an annual saving of $52 million.
0: Wow. That's unbelievable.
1: That is a business yeah. case for how do we transform our culture in organizations to that of belonging? Where me, doesn't matter what do I look like, believe in, et cetera, feel like I really matter.
0: And that's what, when you use words like belonging, I think some business people, uh, maybe think that's a little woo woo or what it's, it's, it's a little ethereal maybe is the word. Uh, it's hard to get your arms around what that means and the impact of that. So how, you talked about impact. I mean, let's talk about how you engender belonging.
1: Effective leaders know how to do that. And they know how to care about their employees genuinely they know how to follow up with them, ask about them, praise them, give them constructive feedback. It's good leadership. It's nothing more and nothing less. It's it's welcoming the person as they are, acknowledging their differences and their commonalities, celebrating who they are. I know that's another woo-woo word, but right. that it really matters. It does make a difference.
0: Yeah, and you talked about the numbers of, The religiously, I guess, bringing the um, the whole self to work, and that means bringing one's religion to work. You've got some thoughts about the trends of religiously affiliated, Mm -hmm. and how that uh, how that plays out, and maybe plays counter to folks' conception of where people are with religion.
1: Yeah. So the uh, the Pew Research did some fascinating studies because our perception right now is that people are not affiliated with religion, and that's going down. People, less people are going to churches, synagogues, and mosques. Mm -hmm. And according to the Pew Research, that was um, published not too long ago, they found they looked at 2010 and projected to 2050 worldwide. Mm -hmm. And for 2010, they have 5.8 billion people who are affiliated with religion. And the projection for 2050 is 8.1 billion people. Mm. So that is an increase of 2.3 billion people becoming more affiliated with a religion, whatever religion that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, while they also did a study about the unaffiliated, and that went from 1.1 billion in 2010 to 1.2 billion in 2050. So that is only a 0.1, a 0.1 billion increase over that 40year span versus a 2.3 billion increase in the affiliated religiously people and you know yeah, by, by talking about employees it's not only employees. We need to be thinking about vendors, about customers, mm-hmm. because once a, an organization or a leader gets that down with their employees, because these are the people that they're in touch with all the time, then they will know how to do that with their clients and with their vendors, et cetera. So it's not just about employees. It's a much wider circle.
0: So the, the case here is that uh, DEI is not just related to race or gender or um, some of the, some of the uh, attributes that folks commonly think of when they think of DEI, religion needs to be thrown into that mix.
1: Well, human beings are very complex, and we have so many different layers, and mm-hmm. DEI is supposed to look at all those layers mm-hmm. that make sense, and religion is um, is one of them.
0: Uh, what is, Samaya, what is the... Um, I guess, what is the state of affairs as it relates to including religion and DEI? Because I would imagine that a lot of folks don't see it that way, right? I mean, they see it uh, in a little more confined way um, than, than including religion. So what, what does it look like for most companies?
1: Sure. Well, there is a uh, an organization up in D.C. It's called the Religious Freedom and Business Forum, led by Brian Graham. And they're, they work a lot on that topic, and they're the leaders in that conversation. Um, and they really show throughout their research and, and work with different companies that it actually adds a lot to the bottom line. And... Um, and it's not about religion per se, like, you know, you need to know this and this and this. And, and it's not about converting people or anything, but it's what do I need to know about my fellow employees or my employees and customers to make it where I validate them, where I appreciate them, back to the belonging conversation. Mm-hmm. And they have um, a lot of organizations that they work with, including uh, TI Texas, Texas Instrument. Um, actually, they are uh, a forerunner into that field where they have many employee resource groups and some of them uh jewish tradition interfaith tradition uh muslim tradition google has a great platform for that as well they bring that conversation uh into the workplace uh tyson foods has a um a chaplain on site Mm -hmm. to uh for all the employees Mm -hmm. Uh, so religion is being you know, talked about and is being considered. Accenture, for example, they hosted a nationwide webinar. It's called Religious Literacy 101. What does it mean to have an accommodation mindset? Mm. So more and more organizations, American Airlines is working on that as well. So there are a lot of leading organizations that bring that conversation in. And it's not, you know, pushing one religion over another. It's having a platform where people get to know each other better. And religion is part of what makes one, or spirituality is what makes one taken away. Um, that is part of people's DNA. And so when we talk about that, we validate and we uh, appreciate and bring to the table.
0: And this is not just vertical in the sense that it's from uh, employee to leader, uh, let's say, or, or up up the... Uh uh, chain of command, shall we say, I hate that term, but I'll use it. Um, but it's really horizontal as well, right? Absolutely. Uh, it, it's about co-workers and, and, and because they spend more time with each other than they do sometimes with their leader, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's actually more than just horizontal. It's 360 mm. because it's not only employees, the vendors, uh, uh, clients, mm. uh, uh, you know, what would it be like if I went into an organization and they know a uh, You know, they treat me in a culturally competent way. Would I want to come back? Would I want to do business with them? And we're talking about here in the U.S., but what if organizations are doing work with other countries that have a predominantly different religion uh, and that makes up who they are? Mm -hmm. And not knowing about that religion would be a disadvantage.
0: Folks, we're here chatting with Samaya Khalifa. Samaya is... With Khalifa Consulting, um, her own uh, consulting firm, uh, Samaya, let's let's talk a little bit about. Uh, maybe shift gears here a second. I want to come back to DEI in a second, but let's talk about just the pandemic and how some of these trends have been affected by the pandemic, either accelerated or diverted or w- whatever you see out there. That, uh, that the pandemic has affected.
1: Yeah. Well, the pandemic is a mixed bag, right? Um, people took them a while to be able to pivot and be online and do work and do business and not only people, but also organizations. And, Organizations had to be or have to be very intentional about DEI and belonging, more intentional than before, because it is much, much easier for people to feel isolated if they are not connected. And being virtual is was the perfect setting to feel isolated. Mm-hmm. So what do leaders and organizations do intentionally to bring that conversation online to their employees? Or maybe setting up just chats uh, maybe coming into meetings early to check in on their employees, maybe acknowledging holidays, maybe acknowledging birthdays. So I've, I feel very strongly that the pandemic and going virtual had to make all leaders more intentional about many things, including the DEI world.
0: Um, I guess one thing about dealing with employees, uh, you know, the remote employees, uh, maybe the uh, the way to ask the question is I, I recently read an article about stay interviews, you know, that how important they are. And what was interesting to me about the article was not the recommendation, but just how easy it is. This is not some formal process. This is really informal and it's, it amounts to uh, as much as anything, check-ins. It strikes me that you're what you're talking about is something similar. Absolutely. That it's not some formal um, major process or major events that people have internally, but that just that action of of checking in with people in a knowledgeable way about what's going on in their lives, right?
1: It's being caring. It's being effective leaders. It's being effective co-workers. It's being uh, caring co-workers. That's what it the bottom line is right. Yeah. It's not rocket science.
0: Right. Um, and I, and maybe that gets to the, to the question I had about smaller businesses out there that think, you know, I don't have the funds for, uh, big internal events. We don't even have time to do what we're trying to do right now. Um, uh, but that really answers that question for a business like that.
1: Right. Right. Well, you know, taking time as mm-hmm. leaders to speak to their employees. How mm-hmm. are you doing? Mm-hmm. What's coming up in your you know calendar? Right. Uh, is there anything that I need to be aware of? You know, for Muslims right now, uh, if a person feels they are in a psychologically safe environment, they would tell their managers in their organizations, I have Ramadan that's coming up in April. Right. And they could talk about what does Ramadan mean to them. Um, and that is, um, you know, in in businesses, in schools, and whatever uh, you want to think about. But with the world's population being about 25% Muslim and about 7 billion Muslims in the U.S. alone, um, you know, every and each single organization, whether small or large, will have a Muslim employee. They will be interacting with Muslim customers. And how do I make my organization friendly enough, welcoming enough, where you know, for a Muslim or a Jew or a Christian to feel comfortable to work with me and engage me.
0: Let's talk about, since Ramadan is coming up, let's talk about that and use that as an example, right? Uh, So how should an employer, uh, a leader that's not Muslim, how should they approach Ramadan with their Muslim employees or vendors, customers, what have you?
1: Well, um, Thank you for that question. Uh, Ramadan is uh, a month in, in the uh, lunar calendar. It, they, it starts differently every year. It's mm-hmm. 11 days earlier. Um, my favorite uh, story is when I was in corporate America, and uh, my manager, her name was Vicky at the time, and I would go to her and say, hey, I'll need a day off either Tuesday or Wednesday for a holiday, and that is Eid after Ramadan. And she would look at me really funny and say, okay, do whatever you need to do. And later, after I went into the consulting world and she attended one of my sessions, she says, you know, all those years, I thought you were very smart. And I couldn't figure out why you can't look at a calendar and tell me what day is your holiday. She was coming from a December 25th Christmas uh, sure. mindset. Right. But for Muslims, the days are, are not really set because they look at the moon and the cycle of the moon. Um, so for, for leaders and for employers... It's just to be aware, to look at a calendar that has all the holidays and acknowledge those holidays. Maybe wish their Muslim employees a blessed month of Ramadan, knowing that they have fasting from dawn to sunset, no food, no drink, Uh, when they have a lunch meeting. The Muslim, if they're fasting, might not partake in that. Mm -hmm. So just being sensitive to those things, Mm -hmm. sensitive to their energy level during the daytime. If there's an important client meeting and if they have the option of uh, scheduling in the morning versus later in the afternoon that would be better. Just gaining that knowledge and saying, hey, I'm validating you and I care about you and I want to wish you a very blessed month of Ramadan. Um, the Muslim day starts out in Ramadan uh, with a very early breakfast before 5 o'clock in the morning. And then they will abstain from food and drink and smoking, if those who do have that habit, all the way to sunset, which is uh, this year will be around 8-ish. Um, and so that is a very long day without food or drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then uh, sunset time, they will break their fast with family and friends. And now hopefully that COVID is kind of winding down or we know how to deal with it better. People will be gathering to have meals together. And then there is a special nightly prayer in addition to the five daily prayers where Muslims will recite 1 30th of the Quran every night. Mm-hmm. And so their days are very long. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that and knowing about, you know, maybe during their lunchtime, they will take it and not eat lunch, but maybe take a quick nap or do an alternative work schedule if they are at work or they will work through the whole day and, you know, get off work a little bit earlier to take a nap afterwards. So there are a lot of different accommodations, but work with the individual to see what works for them.
0: Sure. And, uh, and just a reminder, uh, here it's about understanding both similarities and, and differences, right? Right, I mean, Easter moves every year too, so um, that's that's uh, we so this is not uh, uncommon to the Christian world, right? That's um, a great point, yeah, and and the same way with Passover, it moves every year, so it's uh, same way in uh, in the Jewish tradition, so uh, but but the understanding the differences and understanding uh, uh, why certain practices are what they are, and the significance of those practices is vital.
1: Absolutely, I can't agree more.
0: Yeah, yeah. I
1: can't agree more. And Ramadan is also a very spiritual time for Muslims. They reflect a lot. Uh, it's almost like a um, like their savings account for the rest of the year. Their their spiritual savings account, mm-hmm. and they try to do as many good deeds during their month because they believe that that is a very holy month, and their good deeds are multiplied by hundreds of times. So they will be giving more money out to the poor, they will be doing more prayers, and that might translate into if they're working from their offices or from their workplace, they might need reasonable accommodations to perform their daily prayers. So that is something else, too, to think about for employers.
0: And just as uh, with uh, whether it's Christians uh, with Jews, uh, the and or, or Muslims, there are different traditions within those faiths. So, different. Um, uh, when you call someone a Christian, there are a lot of different, I guess, uh, lanes that they may occupy, if you will, denominations, uh, traditions, what have you. It's the same way with Muslims or those that are uh, of the Jewish faith.
1: Absolutely. Um, You know, a lot of times folks have a mindset that a Muslim looks a certain way, dresses a certain way, walks a certain way, and they're all very religious. And I have news for everyone. Not all Muslims are very religious. Mm -hmm. We will find Muslims who do adhere to the teachings, to the tea, and some even a little bit more, but Mm -hmm. others who identify culturally as a Muslim. But one thing about Ramadan, even those who are not uh, necessarily very religious, when Ramadan comes along, they tend to become religious. Um, and, you know, the the nuances between the different schools of thought within Islam, all fast are supposed to fast in the month of Ramadan, but a difference would be when do they stop eating and when do they eat? Mm. That would be a, a difference in interpretations.
0: And just understanding those differences, right, helps you um, uh, identify with, with your employees, and uh, give them accommodations and create that sense of belonging.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. That's what we're working towards, right? Right. Is making a better world for everyone. And we need to start within our own circles. Mm-hmm. And as leaders, as managers, as organizations, that is where we can make the most impact and impact people's lives.
0: So let's let's get back to, uh, I guess, DEI in companies themselves. And, and, you know, we've... We've been through a lot in the last few years Mm -hmm. as it relates to uh, these efforts in corporate America and in business generally. There's a lot of, uh, I guess, what uh, I might call box checking, um, publicity seeking for um, certain initiatives that maybe you hear about in a press release, but then you don't hear much about anymore. Um, And then there's moving the needle. There's really, I guess, making progress Um, I guess talk about what you see talk about how companies can self-assess where they are and whether they really are moving the needle
1: yeah that is that is a question that we wrestle with all the time right are we doing things just to check the box as you say or are we really changing the DNA of the culture of the organization? Are we holding ourselves accountable? Are we holding leaders accountable? What are the metrics that we are using to do that? And, you know, if, if organizations treat DEI the same way that they treat safety, That would be my recommendation. Mm. Look where we were with safety a couple of decades ago and look at, we have OSHA now and and we have all those things where safety is taken very seriously. Mm -hmm. Well, DEI is affects the bottom line just as much as safety, if not more. But if we don't take it seriously, if we don't hold ourselves accountable, then it turns out to be an exercise of checking the box, right? I've done training check. Mm -hmm. I've done this check. But are we holding people accountable for that? Are we impacting their pay if those goals are not met? Um, that is where the rubber meets the road. And um, yes, unfortunately, there are organizations who do engage in DEI, but we need to meet them where they're at and work down that road to get them where they need to be or where they want to be uh, in the DEI uh, spectrum.
0: Um, how do I measure if I'm a leader of a company, uh, or or a team, how do I measure inclusion? How do I measure belonging? Because these are personal, uh, feelings that people have, right. And everyone is at a different place when it comes to feeling like whether they belong, let's say at an Mm -hmm. organization. So how do you, I may have good intentions, but how do I measure where I am and get honest answers from my team?
1: Right. There are so many different ways to, to do that. Uh, you you spoke about the state interview, right? So this is a quick and dirty way to get a feel of where people at, are at. Um, there are surveys by third-party vendors who could uh, design the surveys for you as an organization and be able to get that honest feedback are you really where, as an organization, where you want to be or is there work? And let me tell you, those surveys, they're like a, a big aha moment for organizations because they think they're somewhere and then the survey comes back and says, uh, uh-uh. uh,
0: um,
1: <laughs> turnover rates, um, yeah. um, all those things are ways. Look at hiring numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of people are, is the organization hiring and what's the retention of all those people that they're hiring? Mm. If we are hiring, you know, certain groups within our affirmative action plan, right? And, um, but they're not staying with our company. There's something not right there. So what can we do about it? So there are so many different metrics that um, organizations can use.
0: So let's talk about the, and we, we were chatting a little bit about this before we came on, about the role of, a white male heterosexual in the DEI world.
1: I was having a conversation with someone I met through LinkedIn and he said, you know, let's have a conversation. And so we had supposed to have been like a 10 minute conversation just to meet and say hello. It ended up being an hour conversation. And um, in that hour he talked about, he is a white heterosexual male And he does not see himself in the DEI world. There's no place for him. Mm. And my reaction to him was, what are you talking about? Mm. DEI is for everyone. And if everyone is not included, then it goes back to checking the box. But everybody has to be vested. They have to have skin in the game. They have to be included. Their voices need to be heard. And white heterosexual males They need to feel like they belong as well. And, you know, it's no surprise with our changing demographics, the white heterosexual male feels threatened because they're no longer where they were, say, 10, 20 years ago. There are a lot of people who look differently than they do. Mm. Um, And that conversation needs to be had Mm -hmm. because without them, DEI does not work.
0: Good words here from Samaya Khalifa. She is with Khalifa Consulting. Uh, So Samaya, let's talk a little bit about uh, maybe a success story, one one that illustrates your work, the kind of consulting work that you do, and the transformation you help bring.
1: I love that question. Thank you so much. I'll share with you a very recent example. So there is this global, global organization that had their global conference, and they did not look at the calendar and they scheduled the conference for the first week of Ramadan. Mm. And when we're talking about 25% of the world population is a Muslim, you bet that there's going to be a large contingency of people coming to that global conference Mm -hmm. who are Muslim and are most likely practicing. So how do we make, how do we incorporate that this is not an afterthought into the programming, into the reasonable accommodation. Uh, what do we do about mealtimes? How do we, you know, uh, provide people the opportunity who are coming from around the world, uh, an opportunity to perform their nightly special Ramadan prayer? Um, you know, Muslims break their fast on dates. How do we get dates to them mm. Uh all things like that. How do we set up the prayer rooms and wash stations, etc.? So working with them to incorporate what messaging do we need to send out? Uh, how do we wish people a happy Ramadan and let them know that we know and we appreciate and validate them. And so all those things were worked in, into their scheduling and we are looking forward to a very successful conference for them.
0: Wow. That's terrific. Um, and that's a one-time kind of thing, I guess, it, 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 that's, that's an engagement that you had that relates to that conference. But you work with companies uh, when it comes to longer-term Absolutely. kind of situations and, and uh, um, uh, engagement with their employees.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, A major retailer in the U.S., I've been doing work for them for many years, uh, training their managers and supervisors on how to manage their diverse workforce with special, um, you know, emphasis on their Muslim employees, because Mm -hmm. in certain parts, they have a large contingency of Muslim employees. Mm. Um, So help them understand the layer of the religion, how does that impact the workplace, but also look at the complexity of their employees. So religion does not define them all, but they have different many layers that they need to be looking at. And so that conversation just keeps on uh, evolving with their organization and with their managers and their uh, leaders.
0: So let's uh, let's talk about the types of companies that you work with. Um, uh, it sounds like you work with medium-sized to, to larger corporations.
1: Yes, yes, we work with medium-sized to large corporations, but we also do executive coaching for smaller mm. organizations. Okay, um, not necessarily in the DEI world, but in leadership and uh, and it's um, it's it's very gratifying to see how a manager grows and impacts their teams, mm. um, and it's just a beautiful feeling to see them succeed.
0: That's terrific. So. Uh, Let's say someone's uh, heard this interview, they call you up and how does how does the conversation go? I mean, what's the discovery call look like with you when somebody inquires?
1: Wow. So uh, it goes um, like wanting to know what their role is. Mm -hmm. uh, What are their pain points? uh, What are their thoughts about how they want to fix it? Because a lot of times uh, leaders and organizations think that they could fix something a certain way. But after discovery, that it really they really need something else. Um, and find out what, what's their timeline and look at uh, options for them and then go back to them and identify what are some of the options and talk to them about it and see how to proceed, what works for them.
0: And I didn't hear the word shame or blame in there. Um, <laughs> um, so there's no shame in saying, I don't know. Right, absolutely, there, and and um in in fact that takes courage that is applauded, right? And that's re- that's really um I think it sounds like the first thing you do w- with your uh the folks that call you up and engage you.
1: Absolutely, you you know we meet people where there are mm-hmm. there are we meet organizations where there are there are no judgments. Mm-hmm. It's let's work together to move the needle, as you said earlier, and do that together collabor- collaboratively. <laughs> I can't say the word, but anyways, yeah. you know what I mean?
0: I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> I hope the
1: listeners do too. Yeah. But it's, it's really a journey. It's a journey. It's not a one-stop and we're done. Mm-hmm. It's a journey for organizations to get to where they need to go. And it's almost like a vision statement, right? We always work towards that, but we don't get there because it's so big. So right. there's always opportunity for growth for individuals in the um, executive coaching and for organizations in the DEI world.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you said that. It is a journey. Uh it uh, from a lot of different perspectives. Uh and what that means is if you if you've reached a certain point you haven't arrived. There's always room for improvement.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Right. I love it. Samaya Khalifa, folks, with Khalifa Consulting, I could go, uh, keep going on and on, <laughs> but we're going to have to let uh, Samaya get back to the great work she does. Uh, but before we let you go, Samaya, uh, why don't you give everyone your coordinates, how they can be in touch with you?
1: Sure. So um, our website is Khalifa.Consulting, that's K-H-A-L-I-F-A.Consulting. And uh, phone number is 678-523-5080 or information at Khalifa.Consulting.
0: Samaya Khalifa, folks, with Khalifa Consulting. Samaya, this has been awesome, as usual. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. Hey, folks, just a quick reminder. If you are in and around the Johns Creek area or the greater uh, North Fulton area and you're looking for a better Solution for dinner than the drive through. I've got it. It involves checking out uh Oh, well, it's asculinaryconcepts.com. A&S Culinary Concepts is, is the name of the company. Now, they're an award winning culinary studio. They do corporate catering, they do corporate team building, uh, big green egg boot camps, but they have let us cook for you meals where you can order a gourmet meal. That you can drive by, pick up, take home, and you will be a hero at home, I promise you. Uh, I've been a hero at home a few times myself when I've stopped by. So give them a call, 678-336-9196. Ask for Andrew Traub. Uh, he's my friend there who is the uh, executive chef and owner of ANS Culinary. Um, chat with him or just go to the website and look at their latest menus, asculinaryconcepts.com. And, folks, just a quick reminder as we wrap up, North Fulton Business Radio is on all the major podcast apps. Uh, You can find us there, and we would love it if you would share the show. If you've heard uh, something here that you think would be valuable for uh, a friend or colleague, uh, something that Samaya has said or any of our guests have, have said in other episodes We would love it if you would share the show. It's not about me or Business Radio X. It's about our great guests, and we're here to celebrate them and the great work they do. So for my guest, Samaya Khalifa, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.